0: Hello, and welcome to a special Christmas edition of The Food Podcast, a show where personal stories are shared through the lens of food and Christmas lights and cinnamon rolls and tears. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. My mom usually cried on Christmas Day. I remember sitting on the living room carpet on Christmas morning with my sisters, wrapping paper strewn between us. We must have finished opening our stockings because we weren't allowed to move on to presents under the tree until my parents had sipped their coffee and we had eaten sliced oranges and the warm Christmas bread studded with cherries in the shape of a wreath. I remember my mother wearing her baby blue host coat with a thick white zipper up the middle so soft and comfortable in front of the twinkling tree. And then I remember her crying softly as she opened the Orlane face cleansing kit my dad bought her every year. The set lived on her wooden dresser beside a little jar of cotton balls she used for toning before bed. I used to think she had had it with those Orlane face creams, but now I know they were just Christmas tears, the ones tired mothers have, when they're trying to hold our expectations together while simultaneously capturing their own nostalgia. I've cried on Christmas too, many times. So this episode is a guide of sorts, a recipe for all of you who love this season, want to savor it, taste it, see it sparkle, but are wondering how to avoid those Christmas tears. I'll call upon Vicki Grant, a writer, a storyteller, and a mother of three grown children who has honed her Christmases into a festive, fine art. And she'll share her wisdom on how to navigate this season. Begin now, early in the season, where I am sitting on my sofa, toes up, my great grandmother's fraying velvet quilt across my lap, with a new cookbook in my hands. Toes up is the perfect way to start the holiday season, by the way. This is a special moment. I rarely buy new cookbooks these days. I'm trying to cook from what I have, which is already way more than I need but this one looks so special, hardcover and cloth bound in a balsam green with the title Advent in golden block lettering across the front cover. Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which translates as arrival or coming. Candles are lit over the four Sundays leading up to Christmas to slowly anticipate the arrival of Christ. The author, Anya Dunk, was born in Wales to a barbarian mother and a Welsh father. This mixed heritage, damp, dark English winters, coupled with rich Christmas German traditions, offers anyone who celebrates the season in the dim winter light of the Northern Hemisphere a path towards a cinnamon-fueled, sparkling, twinkling, nut-cracking Christmas. The Pages Antique jewel-toned decorations, old biscuit tins and nutcrackers alongside fine white linens and the earthy tones of Christmas stolen and meringue mushrooms slowly lead us through the anticipation of Christmas. There's no mention of church or baby Jesus in Dunk's book. Like Nigel Slater's Christmas Chronicles, it takes on a non-denominational approach to the holiday season. There's a barely there wreath in green tone-on-tones on the cover of the book, with golden accents weaving through the leaves. It might be a nod to the German Lutheran minister who made the first Christmas wreath in 1839 by decorating a wagon wheel with evergreen boughs and 24 candles. He was working at a children's mission at the time and understood the way to a kid's Christian heart was through anticipation. I stood anxiously around a wreath like this every Sunday in Advent as a kid, albeit a small one condensed to four candles, and stared at those candles like a child about to wet their pants. I rocked on both feet wanting to strike the match myself, willing the candles to burn faster, for the days to pass, for Jesus to come already, the anticipation was torture. At some point along the line, maybe it was when I got married and took on the responsibility of weaving my husband's nostalgia with my own, I began to want this whole season to slow down. I needed every minute of those 24 days to simultaneously savor the spirit of the season and to get shit done. Books help. I can't promise I will bake from these books, except I will try Anya's lucky meringue mushrooms on page 174. I make meringue mushrooms every year, but always have to Google a recipe. Otherwise, my Christmas staples are locked down at this point in my life. But I feel that flipping through someone else's nostalgia counts as feeding my own. Especially now, since it's still early days and the house is stark. My aunt's annual wreath-making afternoon is until Sunday. Once I bring that wreath home and stick it on the permanent nail that lives three-quarters of the way up our red front door, it'll be game on. In the meantime, I go to the kitchen shelf and pick up Nigel Slater's The Christmas Chronicles, his beautiful slate-colored hardcover cookbook with a rose gold woodcut of stark trees running down the left side of the cover. The two books with their golden accents catch twinkling candlelight beautifully. I top up my coffee and sit back down with Nigel. He writes, I love the crackle of winter, the snap of dry twigs underfoot, boots crunching on frozen grass, a fire spitting in the hearth, ice thawing on a pond, the sound of unwrapping a Christmas present from its paper. The intimate crispness of the season appeals to me like newly fallen snow, frosted hedges, the new fresh page of a diary. New and fresh. This is how I want the Christmas season to be. I want to crack open a beautiful new book with a sense of wonder. I want to listen, see, feel, and taste these special days as if they were the first fresh pages of a diary. But how can one be curious and open when the goal is repetition, not invention? How do we move slowly when there's a kid nearby who wants to rip it all open before they wet their pants? I move back to Advent. Anya Dunk took the photographs during lockdown and carved the black and white linocuts peppered throughout the book in homage to the linocut advent calendars of her childhood. She seems to live in a nostalgic place, but this book feels fresh, a little new. Before I finish my coffee, I turned to the index at the back of Advent. I thought I'd find the word crying wedged between creme fraiche and currants, but it wasn't there. I turn to Nigel Slater's index. Again, nothing between cream buns and crystallized fruitcake. In this time of magical anticipation and buildup, doesn't there have to be a release? At the end of my yoga class, my teacher asks us to reach above our heads, inhale, and then take three more quick sips of breath. (sighs) After what feels like an eternity, we're told to release it all like a champagne bottle. My breath explodes and bubbles over me. It's inevitable, as is the Christmas release. But instead of breath bubbling, it's tears. Do Anya and Nigel ever have a Christmas cry? I've cried on Christmas, many times. I remember one year, cleaning up the detritus strewn across the Christmas table on the morning of the 26th. There were dripping candles tipped over on their sides, Bits of mandarin peel and splashes of red wine across the wrinkled linen. But I didn't care. It was Boxing Day. I had exhaled Christmas, and champagne bubbles were cascading down my body. I loved this feeling, that day after feeling, so much that I wondered, can a person turn the 25th into an exhale instead of waiting until the next day? What would it take? I'd have to scrap the twice-risen cinnamon rolls that I not only insist on making on Christmas Eve, I insist on eating while opening stockings. They're more complicated than my mother's wreath made of sweetened bread and studded with cherries that she bought from the farmer's market. But I wanted swirled cinnamon on Christmas morning, something to pull and unfurl. So I took that wreath and raised it to fresh cinnamon rolls. This meant waking up at the crack of dawn in order to have them in the oven on time. The success of this single act set the tone for my whole day. I've made these rolls when I've had the flu, while nursing a baby, while wrapping presents. So yes, I cried that Christmas, the one when all the Camerons came for dinner and the table greeted me the next morning like an abandoned medieval feast with a cat on the table licking the butter. My husband sensed my overwhelm that year and offered to make the cinnamon rolls, but then he forgot. I chose to forgive him through clenched teeth as we opened presents on Christmas morning. Then I cried. I was younger then, five years younger. Wisdom, time, learning to plan ahead, and teaching kids to clear the table changes things. And having friends who are mentors, they help too. How not to
1: get stressed out at Christmas? (laughs) Oh, gee. Uh, That's a hard question to answer for someone like me. Um, I think for a lot of people, the obvious answer is just to do less. Christmas is about relaxing and hanging out with your family. But I think for a certain type of person, i.e. me and probably you, Christmas is about the big show. It's about recreating everything that was wonderful about our own childhood Christmases and about our children's childhood Christmases but it's about making it even better this year and maybe trying out Otto Lange's new, you know, Brussels sprout and sumac dressing recipe or whatever. So, um, you know, obviously I'm going to cry at some point during the day, but uh, that's just the price of doing it right, if you ask me. That said, I have a number of tips. Um, I guess n- number one would be, to delegate, and uh, that entails making sure your kids understand early what's uh, important to you for Christmas and getting them to help out. So you're going to get a lot of insubordination and eye-rolling and sloppiness for the first 15 or 20 years, but my experience has been that they will come around, so don't give up. And I think they come around if only because... By insisting you do all those things for all those years, it becomes tradition for them, and it's what they want from Christmas as well. So if they want, uh, you know, a delicious meal on a fancy table and the place all decorated and everything, it, you can't be the one who's going to be peeling all the potatoes or you know trying to find the leaf to the dining room table or whatever. They, everybody has to help out. That's pretty obvious. Um, the second thing we do is absolutely every year, without fail, rain or shine, we take a hike. We throw the bird in the oven. We get all the side dishes ready to go and the table set. And then we take off for a couple of hours. And this has just made a huge difference. You know, all those um, fins, as they say, just... Gives everybody a boost. Then you come back and everything's ready to go. You get the turkey out of the oven and throw the side dishes on, and we all get dressed because we still get dressed for Christmas dinner. And we sit down and, you know, we feel almost relaxed. The third thing I would say is to Pair down the number of people you see on Christmas Day itself, if possible. Once our kids were in their teens, Christmas Day was the only day we could reliably have them to ourselves. And um, we, our extended family, did a gigantic Christmas party with in-laws of in-laws of in-laws. And as lovely as everybody was, it meant that I really wasn't spending quality time with the people who mattered most to us. So we've managed to pare that down just for Christmas Day itself, and that's made um, a big difference. And lastly, I would say my big tip to keep from falling apart on Christmas Day is to keep your eyes set on Boxing Day. Boxing Day is your day of rest. The food is all done. The presents have all been opened. The decorations are up. There's no pressure anymore. You have nothing to do but sit on the couch in your gravy-encrusted jammies and watch... It's a wonderful life. And you can do it guilt-free because you know that yet again you have produced some wonderful Christmas memories for everybody. So, them's my tips. Merry Christmas. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I now, where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. The
0: snow. Update. My husband, James, and son, Charlie, now make the cinnamon rolls together the night before. My sister, Sally, makes her cinnamon rolls from pre-made dough balls from the grocery store. My friend, Cher, orders pastries from a patisserie and microwaves them on Christmas morning. I'm pretty sure it took tears for everyone to get to these brilliant solutions. Vicki once told me she threw a chair at her husband when she was trying to make a dessert for 40 while looking after a baby, a toddler, and a hyperactive little boy. It takes friction to polish a pearl. And as it turns out, the answer to overwhelm, the release we can find on Christmas Day, is walking. My dad started this tradition in our family when we were kids. After the stockings, the oranges, the presents, and the sweetened bread, he'd pile us into the minivan and we'd drive to Martinique Beach, a smooth white sand beach about 45 minutes up the eastern shore, a beach known in winter for sand dollars. My dad has been a beachcomber all his life, and pulled my mom into it when they lived in Haida on the west coast of British Columbia, before we were born. They would search for glass buoys, still used at the time by Japanese fishermen. One Christmas, they found a glass ball the size of a basketball, still cradled in the fishing net that kept it safe as it lulled in the surf all the way across the Pacific. My dad bribed us that first year, when we didn't want to leave the house on Christmas, by offering a dollar for every sand dollar we found. The first few years, we made a dollar or two each. And then, in and around 1986, I found 22. Nigel Slater also likes to walk. I wonder if he ever had to be bribed. P.S. My mom says her favorite Christmas walk was the year she bought four rotisserie chickens and served those for dinner with a few sprigs of parsley on the side instead of turkey. And she wants you all to know she only cries now when she's happy. So in conclusion, all I can say is lower your expectations, ask people to help, try to get as much sleep as possible, go for a walk, and eventually put the cookbooks down and get off the sofa this is what I'm trying to do now, because in the end, Christmas isn't going to bake itself. Thanks, Vicki Grant, for your wisdom, mentorship, and for the recipe to your exceptional grease babies that you serve every year at your Christmas parties. I'll put the recipe in the show notes. You can find Vicki's work at VickiGrant.com. Jen Grant's album, Forever on Christmas Eve, was woven throughout this episode. I've linked to the album in the show notes, and I have it on vinyl, and it is spinning at this moment. Thank you, Jen, for always being with us on Christmas. Tell me, what are you listening to, and what is making you cry this Christmas? I'm here for your stories over at The Food Podcast on Instagram. This series is edited by Abby Circatella. Please rate and review The Food Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson.